Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Lacey. You got your cue that time. I did. You got to look at me and smile, yeah. That's what I will do from now on. We will look and smile from now on. We've only been well, doing this for multiple years. Sometimes you point your finger, so that works I do too. point my finger. I do. I'm, I'm good at pointing fingers at people. Got it. All right. Well, welcome, folks, to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. As I just said, I'm Phil Thompson. He just said he was Steve Lacey. We come to you every week. We're a tech company, aren't we, Steve? We are. We provide products for their four ministries. That's right. And so. those products would be? Oh, streamingchurch.tv, myflock.com, churchapplive.com, right. those things. Streaming video, mobile apps, church management stuff, websites. We do it all. We do. And what are we doing today? We're actually not doing any of that again. We're, we're actually, uh, we have a guest in our studio and uh, he is a young man who has written a book called Creative, Designing Churches That Engage Generations Together. Did I get that right? You did. All right. And his name is Zach Yenser. And Zach actually has a website. You might want to mark this down, folks. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reference it a few more times here during the, um, during the podcast. But his website is 100creativecities.com. And the 100 is the, is the, the number, 100 creativecities.com and his book is all about uh, reaching millennials but it actually is much more than that so let's give you a little background on Zach Zach is a PK you know what a PK is right? I know what a PK is pastor's kid uh, but he's been also working uh, with churches over the years Uh, he's helped train bivocational church leaders you're bivocational yes okay yeah I guess you are we we just had lunch together you are and uh, he's very passionate about uh about church, about the local church. And this book is about millennials. And I actually heard Zach a few weeks ago speak, and I thought this would be a great topic for the Church Solutions podcast because we talk a lot about uh, reaching millennials and trying to figure out how to do it. Toughest crowd to reach, I would think, right now. Yeah, we right? don't have an answer. Yeah. It's, but Zach That's why has Zach an has an answer. Yes. Zach has an answer. So, Zach, thanks for being on our podcast today. Well, thanks for the invite. It's been fun getting to know you the last hour or so that's right yeah. well you know you got a free lunch out of the deal too right <laughs> that's not the best part yet though <laughs> all right well good well we're glad you're here so uh, uh there's a lot to talk about we only have about a half hour here or so but you wrote this book called creative designing churches um, that engage generations together and i liked what you had to talk about so so tell us a little bit about the book but i guess first of all who are millennials? Tell us who millennials are. And there's all sorts of, I mean, we've heard Generation X, we've heard mm-hmm. Generation Z, mm-hmm. Generation P, I don't know. But tell us a little bit about that, because you've done mm-hmm. a ton of research on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were actually joking about how there seems to be so many different definitions, and everywhere you turn, there's mm-hmm. another one. In fact, a couple months ago, they came up with this new one, Xennials, they call them, <laughs> those who are just on the edge of Generation X and Millennials. And <laughs> okay. it's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek, but there's probably some truth to those kind of border uh, on the on the uh, on the generational border area where okay. they have more of a Gen X okay. characteristic. But it, all it is to say is that there's so many different definitions. Okay. And in writing the book, uh, I've stuck with the Pew Research Center definition of a millennial, um, and 
when uh, they were born up to the oldest, uh, currently, uh, the youngest is 20, and the oldest is 36, 37. And so when we talk about millennials, um, that's the age range uh, we're talking about. If we're talking about high school or early college students, which often when we think millennials, that's what we're thinking of in our head, Mm -hmm. that's really Generation Z which is a whole other generation okay. with their own research and their own how do we connect with them, how do we engage with them. My passion really lies in kind of maybe the latter half of the millennial generation. I kind of call them young professionals or young creatives. Those are those people who are starting to really get into their calling, uh, maybe having families, uh, are involved in some um, creative um, efforts, either ministry or uh, um, or um, non-ministry, if you will, even though I believe everything is ministry. Right. Um, that's a kind of a quick snapshot, 20 mm-hmm. to 37. Right. So there's, as I've listened to others talk about millennials, they kind of say, oh, those are, the, those are the ones that grew up and got a trophy for participating, and that kind of formed their attitude and feel like all I have to do is show up and then I can get an award and that sort of thing. Is that Does that fit with the millennials, or is that... Or is that not right? It's probably everybody now. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that's part stereotype and part true. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think, uh, and I, I'm never a parent basher, but parenting has a huge part to play. Um, and as a response to what my parents felt when they were either latchkey kids or uh, their upbringing in a uh, split home, uh, maybe their response was maybe a little bit more doting um, and trophy <laughs> Um, that we, we see today. So so everybody says, uh, those involved in church work, and everybody's probably an overstatement, many people say, these millennials, they're, they're the hardest generation to reach. And yet, I mean, I've heard that saying before. I'm, I guess, a baby boomer. And I, was heard, I heard that was told about my generation <laughs> as well. But, I mean, isn't every generation, doesn't it have its own set of unique challenges and I mean, just kind of address that a little bit because yeah. I mean, every every you know, we, we all seem like we all kind of drew up, grew up mm-hmm. like uh, all these crazy kids, mm-hmm. you know. Address right. that a little bit. Yeah, a, a it's true. Um, in short, what some a lot of the research has been pointing to with millennials is that they're not coming back, so to speak like other generations were. So you're absolutely correct. They Mm -hmm. said about baby boomers in their 20s, um, oh, they'll just need to grow up and figure things out, and they'll come back. And it was true. And the same with Gen X. It's not as true Hmm. with millennials. We're not seeing millennials come back, so to speak, after professional clarification, after having kids, after having families. And come back, you mean come back back to to the the church. church. Right, is is what I was gathering from what you were saying there, is come back to the church. And in fact, Generation Z, which we're not even talking about, they call the first post-Christian generation that have no upbringing that really has any foundation in, in the Bible or in church. And so I think we're at a period of time where we're having to really say, yes, to some extent, every generation in their 20s goes through what millennials are going through. But there is a shift in church and culture that we do have to be aware of and be thoughtful about. Right. And, and why is that? Why, why is that? Why is that? Why, why is the millennials why, why not, not coming yeah, back? Why are they not coming back where supposedly the other generations came back to the church? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've written a know? book on this, but... 
That's a that's a great question. I uh, I want to go back now that you've mentioned it and try to figure out how older generations how their life experience looked. I know for millennials, um, and this was at the event that you were at, um, Phil, um, is Barner Research looked at a couple of different factors, and they found that when millennials were in church as a teenager, if their church was connecting their passion for XYZ with their faith, with the Bible, or career aspirations with their faith, um, if there was great mentorship happening, if there was a connection to mission and how the church affects the community, if all those things were in place, the retention um, was much higher. And the opposite was true when those things weren't in place. And so I'm not a church critic, but sometimes I do wonder how what the church was in maybe the 80s and 90s, how that has impacted how millennials feel about the church and whether they're coming back or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I think, you know, the book is, a, the book is not a, uh, a massive volume. It's a really quick conversation starter because my passion is to have these conversations, mm-hmm. not always have to have the answers, but try to ask these questions and figure out what's going on. So, so one of the keys I had heard was that uh, the millennials need a, you talked about a mentor figure, or it's just uh, an older adult that was you know, fully invested in the faith and mm-hmm. that they could relate to and had mm-hmm. some common ground with. Was mm-hmm. That was, I had heard, was a key, one of the key things. And, and those that, that had those relationships would often come back, and those that mm-hmm. didn't, they weren't able to connect the church with mm-hmm. something they wanted to mm-hmm. you know do going forward so that you got it and yeah. actually the um afterwards conversation of that event that we were at together phil uh was something that came up that was new to me um a this millennial generation is more wanting of mentorship than what older generations say they were when they were young and so if we're looking for something distinct about millennials, I think mentorship is it if we had to land on one. The part B that surprised me was talking to older leaders who said, I didn't have a mentor growing up, and I don't know how to mentor. Hmm. And that was new to me, um, that kind of humble personal assessment of themselves to say, I get it. I just don't know what it looks like. And I had always assumed uh, that you get wiser, experienced individuals in a room with younger people who want to be together with them that mentorship would just happen mm-hmm. i'm not sure that's the case so that's something i'm diving into a little bit more now because of how important this topic of mentorship is interesting so in the book here that you've written creative and it's available what amazon it's on amazon okay yep so uh, creative designing churches that engage generations together is the full title of it here uh, now you, you you say that throughout history throughout time that churches organizations Cities, companies, uh, they've changed their world by, by, by being intergenerational. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Inter- I guess it is, it right? Is. Because it's in your book. It is. So it must be a real word. It's, right, a, so it's intergenerational. A real word. <laughs> so so, so, so talk, talk to me about interge- intergenerational and, and how that works yep. and how to make it work. Yep. The, the quick story, and I can make it 30 seconds or less, because I know we're, we're on a car drive timeline. The metaphor that starts out the book is looking at these um, small workshops called bottegas that started the Renaissance. It's about 100 years prior to this Renaissance that 
changed at least the Western world. Right. You had these um, these shops focused on the arts and design and culture, and you'd have a master artisan who would head that shop up, and he would, uh, and it was really a she. He would have um, a group of younger apprentices who he would say, "Come in and learn woodworking." So they would come in and learn woodworking. The cool part about these bottegas is that they didn't micromanage the apprentices. In other words, throughout the process, the younger apprentice might say, you know what, I'm really into sculpture. So then the master artist would do connecting and networking and say, hey, you need to go over to this guy and learn sculpturing. And so these little physical spaces that brought people together to talk about a wide range of topics um, became these like fire starters that fueled um, the Renaissance. And so looking at that model um, that was intergenerational, I started to see the same patterns happening in cities, in companies, throughout time, that these revolutionary places were physical places where mentorship was happening, and then there was human and financial investment into the ideas and people that came out of that physical space. And as I was looking through um, Paul's letters to young church planners like Titus and Timothy, I found the same DNA was in there, the same exact three elements, space, mentorship, and investment, was at play. And so that's kind of why that statement is in the book of throughout time, even if you're involved in the church, even our sacred documents subtly break out this pattern. And today you see it in Google, you see it in Austin, you see it in the Renaissance. Every time the world and culture has changed, it's changed at the hands, so to speak, of these physical environments that were bringing generations together to launch people and ideas. And that really fueled the book. Well, one more time. So what are the, what are the three parts? Again? You got it. In the book, we call it incubation. And that refers to these physical spaces where people are drawn together to think and work and design and be together. Okay. Then the second is mentorship. Uh, how do you have older to younger and younger to older relationships that are that are building off of those people and ideas? And then the third is investment. Uh, how do you put either time or finances into the people and ideas in this space to launch them out? Incubation, mentorship, and investment. Fascinating. Yeah. So with incubation, so I mean the we got church leaders listening to this and they think oh that makes sense but how what are some examples of something a church could do to to create those physical spaces or is it does it even need to be at the church mm-hmm. maybe somewhere else the church sponsors or mm-hmm. you have ideas of uh, what what that should look like or what it's looked like where it's worked or mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it can be a uh, a sponsored place that is off-site but i think what could be exciting to church leaders is that your physical space, your church uh, space, small or large, is a valuable Monday through Saturday convening place. Mm -hmm. And outside of just the realm of planned programmed ministry, which is necessary, this is not an either or, Uh, so outside of what is in the church bulletin, so to speak, how available and how open is your church Mm -hmm. Monday through Saturday for older and younger people to come together? And not just to come together even randomly, but um, if there's a person who's interested in the tech space, uh, in the engineering space, who's trying to figure out how their faith connects with their work, you know, can they hang out with Phil and Steve Mm -hmm. Monday through Saturday? And how is the church a convening place where that can come together? 
I was fascinated, my last lean on this, I was fascinated by an architect who told me that there was a time not too long ago where most town and city's code was that the church steeple had to be the tallest part of the city or the town. Ordinance said that you couldn't build a building larger than the steeple. And that reflected the importance of the church as a physical environment. Well, there were some positive church movements that said, well, we're really the hands and feet of Jesus, so ministry is us. And so church became this place where you met on a Sunday, and then everyone went outside of the space until the next Sunday. But there was a time when the church as a physical piece of real estate had massive value for incubation, for mentorship, for investment. We don't have that anymore. The, The desire of the book is to start having conversations of what would it look like to return to that. I just listened to um, a interview slash story on the founder of Starbucks. I can't remember his name. Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz, yes. And so he was talking about how he had gone to Milan, Italy, and toured through Milan. And they had all these casual shops that were just a big part of the culture. Yeah. And his vision was that we could do that in the U.S. We don't have that place. And so he said he wanted to establish this physical place that was between the office and the home. Third space. The third space. Yes, I guess you know all about no, this. No, <laughs> we are completely well, vibing. Please keep yes, going. Yes, yes. <laughs> so no, so and, and, and I, I was just realizing that he really has succeeded because, yeah. you know, as we meet with different pl- people or mm-hmm. something, it's always well, um, you know, we can't meet at McDonald's because that's right. not going to work. We're gonna let's go to this third space. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Let's meet at a Starbucks, mm-hmm. and we can because it's mm-hmm. it, it's really been established as that place mm-hmm. between home and office. Absolutely. And so, the incubator, yep. the, the church needs to be able to build that or mm-hmm. create that third space where yep. you know mm-hmm. people can come. And it's not necess- mm-hmm. like you said; it doesn't necessarily need to be. It can be a sponsored place, mm-hmm. and it's it's not a, you know, come and we'll extend our Sunday school lesson in this mm-hmm. third space. It's it's where you do life, and right, yeah. So interesting. So you're advocating the coffee shop ministry. Well, now I'm just uh, I'm connecting <laughs> what I heard about yes. what Howard Schultz had mentioned about wanting to create mm-hmm. a third space, and I was thinking he's really they mm-hmm. they did it. I never you know before I listened to this book I. Mm-hmm. I was I didn't really think of it Starbucks that way, but it was they created this little incubator place that everybody's now addicted to. So and the product as well. I'm I'm smiling. You can't see it if you're obviously if you're <laughs> listening, but I'm smiling because this is how the section on incubation in the book begins is looking at Starbucks. Oh yeah. And and, and 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 really emphasizing the idea of third space. Starbucks did something this week uh, that surprised people. They're completely nixing their online store. Because they said, our business is third space, Hmm. not even coffee. Our business is this physical environment where people come to gather in between home and work. One of the largest restaurant uh, companies in the world just made the decision Steve was talking about Uh to double down on the value today of a third space. Yeah, And you you just mentioned we can't see you smiling here. The other, if you could see... Um, Zach here, you would real, you'd recognize that he too is a millennial. So he speaks from authority, not only from the book he's written, but that he is one of the one of the millennials we're trying to reach. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, let's talk about. We, we've got a few more minutes here. Most of us have an idea on mentoring. 
So let's skip that for a moment. But let's go to the investment part of this third, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, the third yeah. part. Yep. Uh, talk a little bit about the investment. W- yeah. When you say investment, what does that mean? Right. There's, there's two things specifically um, that, that we're talking about. Um, the one first part that probably comes to mind the quickest is financial investment. When we talk about investment, we think of money. There's a church in California that has something called a fellowship grant. And that is a annual pot of funding that at least once a year they accept applications from the church members who have a ministry idea, a nonprofit or a for-profit um, a ministry, faith-based idea to go meet a need in the community. And if you are Jim or Jane in the pews, um, you can say, hey, I've got this amazing idea. I need this amount of funding and apply for it. Again, mm-hmm. that's outside of the ministry scope that is the emphasis of the church. It's very organic. It's very unplanned, if you will. It is saying, hey, if you, Jim or Jane, have a great idea, we want to put some of the gas on the fire. We want to help you do that. And so there are actually many examples. Um, Tim Keller is another popular example. Uh, He's in New York. And uh, Redeemer Presbyterian put together this Center for Faith and Work. And they have an entrepreneurship night where they are saying, we believe that the work of creativity um, is a part of our faith, and we're going to fund for-profit and non-profit endeavors to go out and do that. So that's kind of the – there's actually some really easy ways um, that I I believe any church – um, could um, f- uh, financially invest in congregation-based ideas. In the book, we also talk about for churches who maybe don't have that room in the budget, uh, don't shut down the idea of investment. There's a human side of investment. I've personally um, been, I-, I can track back key points in my life that happened when an older mentor spent five hours with me in a coffee shop or two hours with me in a coffee shop saying, I want to help you get this thing you're you're thinking about off the ground. I want to connect you to people who might want to support it, and I want to help you flesh it out. There was no immediate return on investment. I wasn't paying them to do this. There was no consulting fee. The person I'm thinking of is incredibly busy in the city, and without being rushed, they sat down and said, I see something in you. I want to help you out. And so whether there's a financial capacity or an investment of human time and energy, The church is the only organization in our community that brings every sector of the city together for at least an hour a week, 52 times a year. That is incredible human potential. So the investment part of the book asks, whether it's financial or human investment, how do we catalyze and and bring people and ideas and investment together to see the church as a launching pad for incredible things that the church itself may not always be able to think about or do on its own. It's awesome. Exciting stuff. Yeah. So we, we still have a couple more minutes. Let, let me push the website before I forget. And how, how can people, well, the website's 100creativecities.com. And yep. it's, it's the number 100creativecities.com. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and how, is that the best way for people to get a hold of you? That is the best way. All yep. right. Um, all right, so we, we have a couple more minutes. I skipped over the mentoring part, sure. but but I know there's people out there listening, and and I know, you know, we have leaders, we have volunteers, we have who knows, you know, listening to this mm-hmm. podcast. Anybody can be a part of this solution, and a lot of people might be asking here, mentoring. Well, how do I mentor people, and how does that whole thing work? Do I put a sign up? Do I post something on Facebook? 
I mean, can you give just a, a couple practical tips here in the next couple minutes how somebody could could engage in this part? I, I got mm-hmm. ahead of the, mm-hmm. I got the cart ahead of the horse here with mm-hmm. going to the last part, mm-hmm. entrepreneur or investment. Mm-hmm. But mentoring is is part of this three huge deal. Yep. There's a a couple really quick things that I think can be tangible, can be taken away. I believe that the church has the opportunity to really revolutionize um, professional mentorship in the city uh, or in the community or in the church. It's kind of something that the book puts out there. It comes from this Barner research that millennials really want to understand how their Monday through Friday relates to their Sunday if that mm-hmm. paints a picture. Mm-hmm. And most of our time is spent in work. And if you look uh, at kind of the Christian landscape, a hot idea right now is faith and work. Not faith and works, not in the Paul way, right. mm-hmm. but faith and work. How does my Monday through Friday connect with my Sunday? Vocation. And I think that the church, especially if a church leader, the church leader has the opportunity to curate relationships. If you think about it, your best relationships did not happen randomly. They were the result of a curated space that was designed to bring you together. I met my wife in orchestra class. I met my best friend in a college quad. These were spaces that someone said, this is a space where people come together. Mm-hmm. And that's where it happened. And so um, the one of the churches that um, uh, I've been to before has what they call a mentorship Sunday. So they actually connect with people a month or two in advance who want to be mentors. And then on a specific Sunday, they bring up these mentors to the front of the church and say at the end of the service, if you want to come and be mentored, if this person's story matches where you want to go or is something that you want to learn from, come on up and meet with them. And so the church is kind of trying to set up a a relational structure for um, mentorship. Um, really based around life stage, vocation, um, calling, and I think beyond just discipleship, beyond just spiritual formation, this professional vocational mentorship is untapped potential, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for the church. The last tangible thing is don't be afraid of reverse mentorship. So uh, well, the book talks about Jack Welch, the CEO of uh, GE, mm-hmm. and He uh, tells a story about when he went to meet with one of his uh, CEOs of his companies. And the CEO said, I just came back um, from a great mentorship experience. And Jack goes, you're one of my top leaders. What are you doing being mentored? And he goes, yeah, I met with this young 20-something who just onboarded with us. And he told me everything I needed to know about the world we live in. And I learned so many things. Now, obviously, that was reciprocated. The older was onboarding the younger, and the younger was, you know, working with the older. And within 48 hours, Jack had his entire company's leadership finding a mentor younger than themselves. Really? And so reverse mentorship is something that's starting to pop up more and more. And um, the younger can learn from the older, and the younger can learn from, uh, am I saying this right? The younger can learn from the older, and the older can learn from the younger. And, and it goes beyond just the cell phone, right? And it goes and it goes beyond the cell <laughs> the phone. Into, I mean, I'm talking that. to you, Steve. Clearly, it goes beyond <laughs> technology. So, uh, those are a couple of things that that are that we try to flesh out in the book, and I think I think are pretty tangible that can be taken away and implemented. I think pretty quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're out of time. Uh, we need to have you back. 
and uh, it, I, we're a tech company, but we love to talk about these things, even outside the realm of tech. Sometime I want to talk to you about how what, what millennials think about tech, but we'll get into that later. So here's how you get the book. You can, can you get it on your website as well as Amazon? You can go to my website. There's a tab called Book, okay. and it'll take you to Amazon. <laughs> well, there you go. That's so pretty good. Uh, wherever you head to first, you can get it. What's the website again? www.100thenumberscreativecities.com. Okay. And Zach uh, Yenser is our guest here, has been our guest, and, and people can obviously contact you through, through, the, through the website there. So, Zach, uh, we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me here. It's been very enlightening to us, and I hope it's been uh, encouraging to, to others. Because really, it's, I mean, we definitely want to reach. We want to reach people, and we want to reach millennials. And I think uh, this stuff is really some good stuff. So the book is Creative, Designing Churches That Engage Generations Together. So I'd encourage you to pick it up at Amazon. And if you have any questions, you can always, you know, you can contact us. Just send us an email. Support, because we're here to support you. Support at Streaming Church. TV, and uh, you know, like I said, Steve or I will probably respond, and we'll uh, we'll take your questions, we'll take your comments, and if we need to point you to Zach, we will do that as well. So, all right, thanks again, Zach. All right, thank you, thank you both. All right, all right well, for my uh, partner in crime across the table, that's Steve Lacey. We've been talking with Zach Yenser. I'm Phil Thompson. We are out of time. We hope that you have a great day, and thanks for listening. We hope that uh, catch you next time on another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. Take care.